0: I really don't know what to say today the events in the ukraine are shocking and something i never thought i would see again in my life now when i say again i mean just an unprovoked attack for no reason it reminds me of iraq it reminds me of um uh, kosovo it reminds me of so many other instances of great violence for no reason, for the wrong reasons. And it's shocking. So there's no joke today. There's no gentle thoughts. I am. I'm just not in the mood. Yeah, we're going to go through the Gospels. We're going to say some words and we're going to make this as pretty as possible. But You know what? I want things to be crystal clear. I have no jokes, there's no no way to make what's going on laughable. Today, Jesus is crying, and it's pretty much our fault. So here we go, welcome to the new world. There are Jews in the world, there are Buddhists. There are Hindus and Mormons and then There are those that follow Mohammed's but I've never been one of them How's your fate these days, Father? Domine, Dona Oh, you are so big, so absolutely huge. Do you think maybe he's compensating for something? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. What do we learn? I don't know, sir. I don't fucking know either. <laughs> evening sorry about the beginning like that I know everyone likes a joke but you know what there's nothing to joke about like I said I'm going to not really talk well maybe I am I don't know yet but today's reading is Luke chapter 9 verse 20 through 36 37 through 43 here's the trick though this is transfiguration sunday it is the last sunday before ash wednesday and the beginning of lent it's kind of like a real special time lent we will be going over uh that in a special podcast which i'll probably put out around probably tuesday before i leave for wisconsin and i'll be gone for a week um don't worry I won't forget you guys. I'm just going to be doing it from my phone. So it's going to sound a little bit different from this, which I think is a lot cleaner and a lot prettier. Anyway, shall we do the reading? I think so. Here's the gospel. Luke. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Not knowing what he said, while he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone and they kept silent, and in those days told no one of any of these things they have seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. Just then a man from the crowd shouted, "'Teacher, I beg of you!' look at my son. He is my only child. Suddenly a spirit seizes him, and all at once he shrieks. It convulses him until he foams at the mouth, it mauls him, and will scarcely leave him. I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, You faithless and perverse generation, how much longer must I be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon dashed him to the ground in convulsions, but Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And all were astounded at the greatness of God. That's the reading. Yep, and now it's time for me to say something about it, I guess, isn't it? I guess the big thing I want to ask you is, where are you most likely to get your important news and information that you rely on every day from? Where did you hear about the Ukraine? Was it from a newspaper, like actual printed newspaper? Was it from an app on your phone? Social media? Maybe it was on TV, on your favorite cable news channel. How about from a man or woman standing in the middle of your neighborhood and shouting out the latest headlines? (laughs) last one's probably not likely, but if you lived about a thousand years ago in England, you would have gotten the latest and greatest headlines from the town crier. The job of the town crier had been officially set in the year 1066. In case you're wondering, that's when William of Normandy and his army invaded England, and his men. there were men hired by the government at the time to travel from town to town to publicly remind the citizens of King Harold II's authority. They did this by reading public proclamations from the king, and since a few people knew how to read in those days, there was no simple way of spreading news among towns. And as time went on, town criers became the very source of official news throughout all of England. The town crier's proclamations almost always followed the same pattern. The crier would choose a central place in town where he would be highly visible, such as a town square or a local inn. Next, he captured everyone's attention by calling out, Oye, 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 which I guess means listen, listen, listen. And then, he began to read the proclamation from the king, and afterwards, he would nail that proclamation to a doorpost of a nearby inn. Now, of course, the job of Town Crier today has gone the way of the Pony Express um, and the Dodo. Such conveyors of information have no place in today's world, however, there is still a website for what is known as the Loyal Company of Town Criers. And his purpose is to keep alive the very tradition of the crier. Now, for example, this website lets you know that use of the term post as a post office or posting a notice or naming the newspaper as the herald and post. Or even the idea of posting a message on an internet or bulletin board or whatever. They um, all derive their existence thanks to the town crier. Their position became so important that harming a town crier was turned into a treasonable offense. And even in the 21st century, these ancient laws are supposed to guard them against heckling or harm. Now, I'm going to let you know, you're not going to find any job ads for a town crier anymore. But... The loyal company of town criers in London still holds an annual competition where they judge both men and women criers on how loud and how clear they are, how accurate their announcement is, and how well they can engage the audience with their presentation. According to competition rules, all announcements must begin with Oye, 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 and it must end with the words, God save the Queen. Now, according to Carol Williams, who served as the official town crier for the small town of Bishop Stortford in England, town criers love the aura of an audience. They love the excitement, anything to get the adrenaline going, but you also have to get your message across in a flowing, rhythmic way. If your audience is asleep before you've got to the end of the first sentence, you've lost. Kinda made me think of today's lesson and also the events of the world. Because sometimes we have to get woken up before we can experience the world and God's power. And I think that's true for all of us. We need something to break the cycle of busyness in our lives. We need something transcendent to break the grip of self-centeredness. You know, that's why Jesus spent so much time on his own in prayer. That's why he took Peter, John, and James with him that day when he went to the nearby mountain to pray. Small mountains, isn't it? He's always climbing up one or another. The disciples needed to be awakened to Jesus' true identity. They needed to see a glimpse of his majesty so that when questions and doubts nagged at them, when following the lead became difficult for them, They would remember this moment of awakening, and they would know and find hope and courage for the road ahead. It reminds me of something that happened to Fyodor uh, Dostoevsky, one of the best-known Russian novelists in the history of the world. In 1949, Dostoevsky was arrested for reading banned books. He was sentenced to die by firing squad, but his death sentence was really just a cruel trick. He was led onto the square to face the firing squad, blindfolded. The soldiers raised their rifles to their shoulders and fired, but they fired blanks instead of bullets. It took him quite a few seconds after the sound of gunfire for Dostoevsky to realize that he was still alive. His blindfold was removed, and instead of death, he was sentenced to four years of hard labor in a prison camp. Instead of this being the traumatic experience that it was intended to be for Dostoevsky, it awakened him instead. He became more grateful, more attentive, more alive and joyful than before. He claimed that this near-death experience awakened his sensitivities to the world around him in a way which transformed his writing. That's pretty amazing. Have you ever had that kind of awakening experience? When was the time that God broke through your everyday life and became real to you? Was it a conversation with a friend? Maybe it was a verse from the Bible. Maybe it was just a sleepless night. A painful disruption in your life. A moment of pure joy. Or maybe you're still waiting for that experience. Maybe you aren't sure if you've ever experienced God in a moving and convicting way. And that's okay. I'm glad you're here now. And I hope you have an experience in which God speaks to you or strengthens you or becomes real to you in such a way that it changes your life. Which kind of brings us to the second thing we can learn from this passage. Prayer prepares us to experience God. See, prayer opens our mind to God's presence and his will for us. It's just one of those things. It's a meditative process. Jesus took Peter, John, and James with him up that mountain to pray. It was Jesus's regular practice. Go away, often up a mountain, because why not? He's a hillbilly. And pray, and to spend time with God. As he was praying, the three stooges got sleepy, as they always seem to. It kinda makes me cringe, but at the same time, completely relatable, because I'd be right there snoring with him. See, Jesus was enjoying the presence of God, and Jesus was aligning his mind and his will with the Creator. Jesus was preparing himself to do the world-changing work that God has set in front of him, while his friends were slipping into nappy time. How many opportunities have I missed to hear God's voice or to do the work that he's set in front of me because I'm lazy? and I want a nap. There's a question that'll keep me up tonight. So, um, there's this is a woman who tells an incident about what happened to her at her granddaughter's kindergarten class. There was a boy in the class who just couldn't listen to his teacher. The teacher finally got fed up and said, if you don't want to listen, just sit there fidget all the time. You can just go sit at that table by yourself. A few minutes passed, and... The granddaughter raised her hand and said, I don't want to listen either, can I go sit with him? Yeah, that's the kind of truth that hurts. We really don't want to listen either, do we? Listening to God is not like listening to a friend or a colleague. Listening to God is an act of submission. When we listen to God, we're laying aside our agenda and our priorities and needs, and opening ourselves to the mind and mission that God has charted out for us with others. The word translated obey in the Old Testament means to hear, and in the New Testament several words describe obedience. One word means to hear or to listen in a state of submission. Another word simply translates obey as to trust. Our obedient response to God's word is a response of trust or faith. To really hear God's word is to obey God's word. It's easy to get stressed out or turned off by the subject of praying. Too many of us have grown up in the belief that there is only a right way and a wrong way to pray. We've been taught techniques and rules. Would it change your practice of prayer if you thought of it as simply listening? to God with an open heart and mind, without any words. There's a well-known author who's written too many books on prayer, and one time he was giving this seminar. During the question and answer period, a man raised his hand and asked, Doctor, why should we pray? And this expert on the subject simply answered, well, it's very simple, ask God. Instead of judging yourself in an attempt in your attempts at prayer, just ask God to show you how to pray. It's the simplest way of receiving it—an answer that's worth anything at least. The final thing we learn from today's passage is that when you experience God, you're called to share it with others. Maybe. I think the other thing we can learn is that sometimes enough is enough. Yeah, I mean, on that mountain, Peter, John, James saw God's plan for humanity together. The great lawgiver Moses and the great prophet Elijah pointed the nation of Israel to God. But now in Jesus, God has come in human form to share his truth and salvation, not just with the Israelis and the Hebrews, but with all of humanity. To seal the deal, God spoke from heaven and said, This is my son, for whom I have chosen listen to him. And what did we just go over about the word listening in the Bible? They all imply obedience. Once you hear, you go and do. So why did Peter and James keep this experience to themselves? We honestly don't know the answer. Maybe Jesus told them not to and they listened and obeyed i mean shoot i would too so if you uh, i don't know maybe a decade ago i read this article from the guardian uh british newspaper the guardian not not the crazy neoconservative crazy people uh place but they had a weird story there was a police van that had been stolen in an Irish police station and they were having no luck tracking it down there was a big problem. See, the van belonged to their special investigations unit that engaged in undercover work. So they could not release the description or photo of the van to the public because they didn't want the general public to know what their undercover van looked like. So no one could get the public's help in tracking down this stolen van. You know, in uh, Matthew, Jesus tells Peter, John, and James to keep the moment on the mountain a secret until after Jesus had been raised from the dead. Well, folks, he's been raised from the dead. It's past time, which means it's time to share the truth of who Jesus is with everyone we can, as he wanted us to. And when you experience, have an experience of God, I should say, it's your opportunity and responsibility to share that life-changing experience with others. So they, too, can know the truth and hope and joy and peace of God that is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Now, that's not to say that we need to go and tell them, like, with words. Um, As is attributed to St. Francis, we should preach the gospel every day. Use words only when necessary. Now, Albert Schweitzer was a pastor. He was an author university professor, and internationally known concert organist from Germany. And one day, he was reading an article about the suffering of people in the Democratic Republic of the Congo in Africa. And the author of the article wrote, As I sit here in Africa, it is my prayer that the eyes of someone on whom the eye of God has already fallen will read and be awakened to the call and say, Here I am. After finishing the article, Albert Schweitzer bowed his head and prayed, My search has ended. I am coming. He applied to medical school and obtained his license in 1913. He sailed to French Equatorial Africa, where he opened up his first hospital in a converted chicken coop. Over the next four decades, Schweitzer and his wife treated thousands of patients with illnesses such as malaria and leprosy. He was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 1953, and uh, at his death, he was buried on the grounds of his hospital. You notice he didn't sit there and... uh, bail and tell people about that article every step he took is like this is what I'm doing Jesus has spoken through me through an article no he went and saved people in Africa so have a thought about that when you start to open your mind about have you found Jesus we don't get too many mountaintop experiences in life in my experience you only get a few choice moments when we can see and hear the presence of God It's life-changing so what are we supposed to do with an experience like that i think we're called to take that hope joy and truth live it out in the valleys live it so it's shared with neighbors live it to deepen our commitment to action and service live it to speak out against bullies and tyrants live it to support the people who are being terrorized by tyrants and bullies and above all let that mountaintop experience be an opportunity to to share that life-changing power with others so maybe they can see the mountaintop at last and pass it on to even more others still listening i think you should hit that subscribe button because evidently you like what i gotta say or maybe you're just waiting to hear how you can send your death threats i don't know i don't care um any case you can catch me everywhere all my links are in the description below including merch i don't know why but i made merch do me a favor though pray for the people in the ukraine and Pressure your leaders, wherever they might be, to speak against this atrocity. To speak against this killing. To speak against this monster. And maybe together with all of our voices, it will be loud enough to drown out the hate, the misery, the selfishness, and the exploitive nature of this enemy. I love you all. Take care. Keep safe. Protect each other. And above all, live a life that is truly blessed. Peace out.